Father, we thank you this morning. We give you praise. We honor your holy name. Mighty God, we bow ourselves before your presence this morning. Father, with expectant hearts, that you may share with us your thoughts this hour. Father, the purpose for which you brought us to this meeting shall be fulfilled. I pray that the hearts of men shall be revived this afternoon. That God shall strengthen us and focus our minds unto thee, O God. For in Jesus' name, I pray it. Praise the Lord. How are you this afternoon? How are you preparing for your Christmas? Praise the Lord. Sometimes people just expect praise the Lord, praise the Lord alone in the, in the church. So when I ask about how are you feeling, something is not in order in the church. Eh? <laughs> it's good. It's our house. The house of our Father. Praise the Lord. We need to be free. We need to feel this is where we belong. I asked about Christmas because in those days, when Christmas was something, <laughs> praise the Lord, we started in June. Eh? <laughs> These days, people take it so lightly. But we thank God he has given us the opportunity. It's, it is good to be in this last Friday service of November. We don't take it for granted. God has been gracious with us. He has blessed us. He has brought us this far. And we are looking forward to more blessings as the year comes to a close. Praise the Lord. Somebody shared with us some few weeks back, and that word is still so powerful in my life. I mean, it just hit me so hard. You know, in Cana of Galilee, Jesus has been invited as a normal guest. Because they talk of a governor, and they talk of Jesus and his disciples. Praise the Lord. But it came to a time when things were beginning to take a, a wrong shape. Then somebody remembered that Jesus was there. They came to him. And what he did, the wedding was coming to a close. And people were now beginning to be disturbed because the wine was running out. I am sure whoever invited the guests was saying, why, why can't the master of ceremony say now guests can live at their own pleasure? You know, when they announce like that, it's a gentle way of telling you now it's time to go. Because the wine is running out. And there's nothing to do. But uh, there was a one wise lady who went and said, these people are running out of wine. That was the mother of Jesus. What challenged me when this brother was sharing with us on this particular aspect, I had never seen it that way, that it was towards the end, people were losing hope. But then when the wine was prepared, what did the governor say? It was the best. Praise the Lord. He wondered why the bridegroom had reserved, reserved this good wine until the last moment. 
I don't know what the year has been for you this year. I don't know what your January was, what your February was, through to November, but I can guarantee you, if you identify Jesus Christ in your life now, this year will end on a high note. Praise the Lord. You will wonder why it delayed so much. Because he has reserved something for each one of us as we come to a close. I want you to keep focused, to remain focused in your life, and to know that God has got a wonderful plan for you. It is never too late with God. He has something good for us. Last night, it was a powerful ministration to me. I had always, it's good that pastor has brought it to light. Maybe he was thinking about me. I've always thought when I sit before a film, it's just to enjoy. <laughs> to sit and watch. But last night, it was a powerful ministration. Praise the Lord. Now, don't feel guilty if you are not around. They have told you the title. Eh? The War Room. Just look for it. You will learn something from that film movie. Praise the Lord. God will challenge you. Whether your family sound good, everything's running right, just watch. I invite you to do so. Praise the Lord. It was about relations. This morning, I want us to share on the subject of relationship with God. Relationship with God. Relationship with God. I have uh, divided this into four subtopics. Not that there's no any progression or uh, it's just that I wanted to share about them in those two, in those four areas. But there is no graduation from one level to another. They always work together in a Christian's life. So I'm going to speak I'm going to share with all of us on a relationship between father-child relationship, father-servant relationship, father-son relationship, and father-friend relationship. I said we are talking about relationship with God, and I want us to look at that relationship in those four areas, that there's a time you are a child... With, you are relating to God as a child. There's a time you are relating to God as a servant. There's a time you are relating to God as a son. There's a time you are relating to God as a friend. We just want to see ourselves where are we in this mix of issues of relationship with God. Because that will enable us to begin to challenge ourselves on what we need to do or what other gap is there to be filled in our lives? I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 and 4. Uh, 
and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children. I want you to underline those words or to keep them in mind. If you are scared of underlining in your Bible, just keep them in mind. Become as a little, as, as little children. Ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself. I want you also to uh, underline, humble himself as this little child. Humble himself as this little child. The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then chapter 19, chapter 19, verse 14. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to, not to come unto me. For of, such, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, there are issues about a child that Christ has pointed out here. Definitely, Jesus Christ is not telling us to begin to behave like small children. He is using the small children and their way of behavior, the way of conduct, to inform us something about them that is crucial in our lives as Christians. You may be as old as 50 years in your salvation, but remember he was talking to people who are mature, and he was telling them, unless you become as little children... Then he says, humble himself as this little child. So he's speaking to us concerning certain attributes about a child that inform your relationship. And one of the things he has identified is in verse 4 where he has said, humble himself. This talks of humility. Children are generally, I don't know these days, but generally they are regarded as humble people. They, are, uh, they have humility. And like most of us, we feel we are mature and other people should sub submit to us. But generally, children, by and large, are humble people. They have humility. That is why Jesus was saying that we must humble ourselves. So the first thing in relating with the uh, the father-child relationship touches on humility. The first one is actually the observations that we make about the children and is in hum humility. Humility. If you go to chapter 18, you will understand why Christ begins to talk about this. Verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That means there is strife among these mature people. They have got some targets in relating to Jesus. And those targets are not the right targets. They are close to Jesus. They want to have fellowship with him. But their goals are not right. Because you see immediately, verse 2, 
Jesus does not go ahead to start addressing the issue of greatness. He goes to verse 2 and says, and then what does he do? He says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. So it's no longer discussing greatness. He's bringing the child. And then verse 3, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That means, first, you are thinking of being greater in the kingdom of heaven, but you have not addressed the issue of entering the kingdom. So there is a possibility you will not even be eligible to be considered for greatness in that kingdom. If I went to India, and then I said, I want to vie for the prime minister's office, on Congress one party. First of all, Sonia Gansi will ask me, are you an Indian? <laughs> because I have to be an Indian first. I have to have Indian nationality first before I start aspiring to such offices. And so that's what Jesus is telling these people. You guys, you are talking of greatness but you have not addressed the basic thing. First, we must think about how to get into the kingdom of heaven. Then, we can begin to talk about these issues of greatness. Who is going to be great and who is going to be small? But you must be there first of all. So, in essence, there has been a problem among the brethren. That they are more interested in what they will be than where they are going to be. That's heaven. So Jesus brings them, tries to draw their focus and tells them, look, we need to begin to address the issue of relating with God first before we think of how he's going to make us great. And that is, you must begin to reason like this small child. When children are together, in most cases, as long as their needs are met, nobody's thinking of who should be senior to the other. They just play and have joy around. They don't struggle over these things. But this is the weakness we have. Now, as a mature Christian, I'm being reminded, Kenneth, in this kingdom, it's not an issue of who is great. It's an issue of relating with your father first. Get that relationship. Be humble before him. Submit to him. Now, if you go to chapter 19, you also notice up to chapter 20, you notice the things that Christ is talking to these people about, the issues of life. There's a struggle on issues of life. And that battle of greatness is still lingering amongst them. Because when you go down to chapter 20, verse 20, James and John have enlisted the support of their mother. I've told them, you know, Jesus likes listening to, you know, if you talk, maybe he will listen to you well. So they, they drag their mother into the presence of Jesus Christ. The lady bows before, and he's saying, please, just make sure that one of my sons is on your right hand, another one on the left hand. So you can see there was, around that time, people seemed to be struggling over things that do not really matter. I'm saying to the church this morning, let us forget about positions. 
let us think about our relationship with God. And starting point is being like a child. A child, once all his needs are met, they are satisfied. They are content with whatever they have. Praise the Lord. They are just ready for the next meal, the next thing in the house. When, remember when you were a child, you woke up, the first thing, and need something to eat. Once you're given, do you bother even to shower? <laughs> Out, you start running. Your life is, you, you are okay, comfortable. This is the nature that God wants in you and me. Be content in the presence of God because he's your father. Relate to him like a child does. Praise the Lord. Second point under the father-child relationship is genuineness. Genuineness. God requires genuineness in our relationship with him. We don't have to fake it. We just have to be who we are. There are many things in life sometimes that we want to portray the wrong picture of ourselves. The Kenneth I want people to know is different from the real Kenneth and is also different from the, the Kenneth I want to be. So there, there may be about three Kenneths that are, exist. But the truth of the matter is God values people who are genuine, like small children. They don't fake. They don't fake. They just tell you who you are. You know, my son surprised me the other day. We were sitting on the table. <laughs> now, all of us, you can see, our body complexion is just the same. I don't know what, <laughs> what occurred to him. He said, I know you, you are dark. <laughs> Joshua, I thought we look alike. No? You are darker than me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, but you see, he's just being himself. He's just speaking what is in him. He's not trying to fake anything at all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And that's the, the joy of that stage, that relationship. He's not going to lie. If he's going to tell me something, he'll tell me what exactly he thinks. God wants you to be in that. Be yourself before him. Don't try to fake it. Just be yourself. The good thing with children, they make mistakes, they make them honestly. When they, they break a glass, it's not that they decided I'm going to break. It's just running and you call him, he says, oh, daddy's calling me, let the glass go. I go to daddy and it breaks. He's also surprised the glass has broken. Because he just wanted to go to the Father. He's just being himself. Let us be ourselves before God. That's the relationship that God wants between you and him. Praise the Lord. Be yourself. 2 Samuel 6.16 2 Samuel 6.16 There's this lady by the name Michael, the daughter of Saul. She had been bred in royalty. She had been brought up as part of the royal family. She did not understand some things in life. And so when she got married to David, you know, David was a hustler. He had been a shepherd. He had learned life in the hard way. Praise the Lord. And he knew if you face a lion, 
you don't say that, ah, maybe this is a, a big cat. No. You just know it's a lion and you deal with it as a lion. He never learned to fake. If it was a bear, he did not say, ah, this one is a deformed cat. No. He just faced with it in the club. And it is threatening the animals and that was it. It's danger to my, the animals. I've got to face it. Praise the Lord. So he grew up in, the, in that environment where you deal with things the way they come. This one was in the royalty. Sometimes you have to make things look good every time. Even if you are sad, you have to smile because it's a national occasion. People must see that the royal family is happy always. So there was that kind of difference between the two. And so David, when the ark was being brought, David did something. He put that ark in somebody's house. David was very crafty. Praise the Lord. When he learned that that man was being blessed, what did he say? Now let us bring it to my city. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he went. He went to bring the ark. But he did something also. He said, if God has blessed this man, I must do everything to, go, to please God without holding anything back. He was dancing. Real dancing. Praise the Lord. And he was half naked because the clothes were rolling off. And Michael, because she was brought up in royalty, she was observing from the window. The Bible says she despised him in her heart. If she was there, hallelujah, 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 you know? And maybe the Bible would be like this, close to her heart. Because this is the ark of the Lord. Fake. But this man just poured his heart out. This is my father. I don't care what people say. It is me and God now. I don't mind what they are going to talk about. Right now, it is my time with God. I have to sort it out. Praise the Lord. Yesterday, you saw it. The woman didn't want to play around. When she learned the truth, when she discovered how to take possession of her family again, she did not care. She went outside. Maybe she had, she had been scared all this time. She just, if the devil was physically there, you know what would have happened in that house. She would have ripped him apart. Devil, wherever you are in this house, get out. She, I, I, I like the way she went out of the house, shouting in the air, <laughs> as if the devil was hiding in the woods. Praise the Lord. Came back in the house and went out again. This is not enough. I've not dealt with this, this, this devil enough. She went out again. That is the way. When you break that fakeness, you deal with situations the way they are. Praise the Lord. God wants you to be your real self. Relate to him as, some, as yourself. Don't cover yourself. Whosoever covereth his own iniquity forsaketh mercy. You forsake your own mercy when you cover your weaknesses. Go to God with an open heart. Let him deal with you. Relate with him as a child. Praise the Lord. You know, children don't know that they're naked. Praise the Lord. You brought your best, your boss in the house. Come, come, we have a cup of tea. Maybe it is the guy had gone to sleep and he has removed his clothes. When he hears your voice, 
Does he think of hey, daddy? Daddy. So it's you again to run away and say, hey, God change, God change, God change. Praise the Lord. They are just themselves. They just open. This is my father. This is my home. I don't want to care about any other thing. I just want to relate to my father. Praise the Lord. Let us be genuine as we relate with God. Let us be genuine. The third thing about the father-child relationship is the unquestioning obedience. Children have got unquestioning obedience to their father. They relate with their father with that unquestioning obedience. Luke 5, 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 5. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have told all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Praise the Lord. This is a master fisherman. He has been in the ocean, in the sea. There is no fish at all. He knows that at this time you cannot fish. You know, during daytime, people go to fish at night. You lay the nets at night and pull them in the morning. But Jesus is addressing people, I suppose it's during daytime. He says, go, go in the deep. Peter is an adult, but he's being told you must change your attitude and have that obedience, that questioning obedience of a child in this case. I thank God for Peter. I thank God for Peter. He said, yes, through my experience, I've got many questions to ask, but at your word, because it is you who have said, I am going to act. Praise the Lord. The results is there for you to see. The catch was so much until he beckoned people to come and help. When will you learn to take God at his word? When will we begin to take God at his word? Education is good, but sometimes it complicates life. It complicates life. It makes you to start questioning everything, everything. Unless it falls in the pattern that is familiar, you find it difficult just to absorb. That's why Jesus is saying, unless you become like a child, you don't question so much. He has said, let me believe and walk with him. Then you will see that relationship work for you well. Praise the Lord. It doesn't mean you are stupid. It doesn't mean you are a fool. But you can decide to say, now I'll believe against what my brains tell me. I'm going to believe God. And begin to relate to God in that realm. You will see God do wonders. As he did for Peter. We also see Abraham, our father of faith. An old man who did not need to move. But when God tells him, move, I'm taking you to a country that you don't know. He did not start arguing with God. If you have not done to me what you are promising me here all these years, what is the difference with where you are taking me? No. He just took off. 
This man, that was his nature. That's the, that's the beauty about Abraham's example. Because that was not the first time. He took off, he went. Another time he was being told to take the child, the only child. And remember, read that, that portion. God, I don't know why the Spirit was emphasizing to him, take Isaac, your only child. Try to remind him, you know he's your only child. You are taking him, but he's your only child. The Bible says, early in the morning, early in the morning, Abraham did not, he not even, I don't know, he just woke up and psh, took off. And questioning obedience, and questioning obedience. Let us be like small children as we relate with God. We will see God do mighty things in our lives. Abraham became the father of nations. Okay? Because he obeyed. The last thing under that relationship is willingness to surrender. Willingness to surrender. John 6, verse 8, 9. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? You know, people had been listening to Jesus Christ speak. Spiritually, they were edified, but physically, they were weak. They needed something to nourish them. And so, physical food was required. Now, there was only this young boy who seemed to have thought of taking measures, contingency measures, in case the teaching is so sweet and it becomes late, at least I have something to eat. So I can imagine, you know the boxes, packed lunch boxes for our children are this size. Small, like this. So that they can fit in their bags. Okay? So this boy has got that small bag there. I think when he saw people looking for food, he did not withhold. He removed this bag and was, was wondering until Andrew comes by. He says, this is what I have. And Andrew said, he goes back to the master. The boy released his food. The Bible says 5,000 men were fed. Praise the Lord. That which you have, it may be small. But if you relate to God with that attitude of a child, ready to give whatever you have, it will be a blessing to multitudes. Praise the Lord. Release yourself to God. Release yourself to God and you will be a blessing. How does this compare with 1 Kings 17? 1 Kings 17, the Zerufed, that widow, the widow whom Elijah went to see. 1 Kings 17, 12, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me, that we may eat it and die. This is a woman who is ready to die. She has said, I've got this little, I'm going to prepare it, and alas, I'm ready for death. Then the man of God comes and says, go and make for me cake. The woman is wondering, it's not even enough for me and my, my son. How can I make for you cake? Then as he goes, 
make for me cake first. You are going to prepare yes to you. You are going to die. But before you die, make for me a cake first. <laughs> then you can go and prepare the rest and die. It was difficult. But the woman released. She released. Praise the Lord. You know what happened? Did she die? The supply continued, continued. The oil never ceased. Because she was willing to surrender what she had. Praise the Lord. Let us be children before God. And we will see God bless us in our lives. We will see our relationship with God take a new dimension. One in which we will feel fulfilled. The second one is father-servant relationship. The father-servant relationship. Matthew 25, 14-15. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straight away took his journey. The first thing in this relationship that is being described, we see responsibility. That each servant is being given responsibility. Praise the Lord. So as we relate with God, there's going to be a responsibility that is going to be assigned to you. Whatever area you are in, you will be assigned a responsibility. So he gives them those talents. Of course, they know they don't belong to them. They belong to the master, but he has given them. In verse 15, another thing happens again. I noted something else. This master seems to have been in a hurry. Or it was deliberate. He gives these talents. And off he goes. He has not, I'm sure some of them was still holding on to it and looking at him as he was disappearing and wondering what. Praise the Lord. The master expected these people to have some initiative. Initiative in their lives. You relate with God, you must have some initiative. There are many people who stay, they are born again, but they are waiting to hear the voice like Samuel had. Hmm? They want to hear that voice in their dream, to know that now God is calling them to service. They are born again and that is it. You are doing well but you can do better. Praise the Lord. These people, the Bible says the one who got five immediately went to work with it. The one with the two went to work with it. And the other one was also faithful. All, all three were faithful because at the end of the day, they brought back what they were given. They were faithful. But there was a difference. Because the master not only wanted them to have some initiative, he wanted them to be faithful and profitable. You cannot be in the kingdom of God and just continue without being a prophet to him. He wants you to be a prophet to the kingdom of God. Something bearing some fruit in some form. Praise the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning. Those of you, you know the conditions for serving in the ministries. As you relate with God, 
make that relationship even more warm and lovely by involving yourself in the service of God. Praise the Lord. Don't wait for the voice. Maybe the voice may be coming from my mouth now. Involve yourself in some service, in some ministry in the church. Praise the Lord. God wants you to be of profit to his body. On the same thing, he ex- uh, there was some expectation from the servants, each of the servants. He did not just give them and leave them. He expected something from them. And that was the profit aspect that we have been talking about. Finally, the father does not entertain excuses. When this man came, the first one gave an account of his, his work. The second one gave an account of his work. The third one, why did he come in defensively? He realized he had lost the opportunity. So he came in defensively. I knew you are a hard man who wants to take what you have not worked for. If, let us assume the master was a hard man. Let us assume. Allow me to say that the the master was that hard. Was it only this servant who knew? The other two must have also known that he's a hard man. But they chose to do something. You have been given an opportunity. All of us, we have an opportunity. What we do with that opportunity matters a lot. Praise the Lord. It is not an opportunity for God, but for our own benefit. Because we see when they start returning this, and the master says, now I'll give you even more. You'll be responsible over other affairs of the kingdom. So the service you render is not for God. It is for your own self. You do it, and God is actually storing it for you. He's just an H, 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 what? Heavenly Special Banking Corporation. (laughs) HSBC. (laughs) He's just banking for you what he's going to give you back. Praise the Lord. So don't withhold. When the opportunity comes for you to serve, do it wholeheartedly. Because in due season, it will come back to you. He's only storing it for you. When the master came, he was not interested in that money. It so happened he was giving it back to them and telling them you are going to be responsible for greater affairs. Servant, take your responsibility seriously. Number two, reverence is expected of a servant. Malachi 1.6 A son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Substitute that word fear with reverence. Where is my reverence? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests. Are you not royal priesthood? Huh? The Bible says we are a royal. And hear what the Bible is saying. Okay. Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Of a servant in the relationship with God, it is expected of you to be 
to have reverence for God, respect God, honor Him. How? By doing His will, by being obedient to His word, His instructions. Praise the Lord. And that relationship will blossom because there is reverence in it. God will honor you because of your reverence. Number three, servant should have undivided attention. While you are relating to your father in heaven, it's expected of you not to have divided attention. The verse that we read, 86, Psalms 86, verse 11, I think the second part, was also talking of Saul and... Let's just look at it, I think. Yeah, it says, the second part, give me undivided heart that I may fear your name. It's the prayer of the psalmist. Give me undivided heart that I may fear your name. It's expected of us as servants of God to have undivided attention while serving him. If we read Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate one, the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. It's expected of us to have, to devote all our might, our strength, our, our, our everything in us to God. Joshua 22, 5. Joshua was a servant. He had served under Moses. He had served God by leading the children of Israel. Now, it is good to listen to people who have experience. Praise the Lord. Somebody who has had an experience, it is good to listen to them because they are talking of, out of what they have experienced in life. Hear what Joshua says. But take diligent heed to the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you. To love the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways, and to keep his commandments, and to cleave unto him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. They have not said with half your heart and half your soul. With all your heart and all your soul. You commit your life to God, your service to him wholeheartedly. Not holding anything back. It's as if taking anything is death to you. Give him all that you can. That is the kind of servant uh, father relationship that is expected. John 12, 26. If any man serve me, if any man serve me, let him follow me and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Praise the Lord. They have repeated the word, serve me. If any man serve me twice in the same verse. Emphasis. If you serve God, if you are a servant of God, if you are into this relationship of father-servant relationship, then you will be where he is. Not anywhere else, but where he is. The result, you will receive honor from the father. Praise the Lord. You will receive honor from the father. The fourth point under that relationship Serve with gladness. Serve with gladness. There is the element of gladness in our hearts 
when you are a true servant, you are relating to God as your father and you are serving him, there must be gladness in your service. Praise the Lord. Psalms 100 verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Praise the Lord. Come before him with singing. Now, in the book of Acts, we see something happen which is very interesting. Uh, the disciples had been arrested and they were flocked. And when they were released, what did they do? They went celebrating that they had been counted worthy to experience that beating. Worthy. So there was gladness. It was painful, the service, but there was gladness in their heart. They were not complaining. They were not cursing anybody. They were just happy. Brethren, let us not carry ourselves in the service of God as if we are being dragged. Derive joy. Enjoy yourself. And you will see that God will honor you. Praise the Lord. Because he will delight in your service. The last one under that is serve others. Serve others. A servant, when you are relating to God, in father-servant relationship, you end up being an instrument of service to others around you. Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Praise the Lord. We have been called to serve one another. Various ways. It opens up so many opportunities for you to do something for God. Because at least you have got a friend. You have got family members. You have got cell members. You have got church members. There is somebody who needs assistance. Praise the Lord. Who needs your support. Who needs encouragement from you. That is service to others. Do it willingly. And God will honor thee. Praise the Lord. God will honor thee. The third relationship is that of father and son. Father and son relationship. First, uh, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Praise the Lord. So we need, John chapter 1, we need, we need to understand one thing. That this relationship is not something that you study in the class. It is something that is initiated by God. Praise the Lord. You are born into the family of God. It's God working through you. It happens when you surrender your life to him. You recognize the sacrifice that he gave on Calvary. Jesus Christ. Us. The sacrifice for your sins. That he has come to wash your sins away. And to forgive you. At that moment, once you recognize and confess 
you become part of this family. But the interesting thing in this relationship is the issue of power. Can we say power? power. At least those who are dozing can wake up. Say power. power. The Bible says that he gave power to become the sons of God. In this relationship, there is power being given to you as a son. You are relating to God, but he's giving you power. And this power first ensures that you remain as a child of God. This power second enables you to conquer all temptations because now you have the authority that he has given to you. Praise the Lord. The demons sub submit to you now because you have the authority of Christ in you. Now, I'll give you an example because in the same scripture in the Bible, we, we read about the 72 disciples. Now, these were disciples of Christ and they were sent out. The purpose was that Christ wanted them to have an experience of the power they have. The problem is that sometimes you can be a son and you don't understand the power that you have. So you live like a servant. You live like any other person around. That's not the mistake of your father. Okay? Always you talk about the prodigal son. I want you to reflect over the second son. The prodigal son has been accused of being reckless and all these things. But the second son, the elder son, lived in that home. He never benefited. He was just there. All these things were for him. It is until somebody came from out, somebody who had ran away and come back, then he discovered, oh, I could have been enjoying these things. So you can be in a family without understanding your rights. You can be in a family without understanding what belongs to you. And a cousin will come to live with you and benefit from your, fa your father and mother more than you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It depends on how they discover their position in that home. If your father can do something for your cousin, believe me, he will do greater things for you. Don't complain about that cousin. It's because you have not taken your initiative. It's because you have not understood who you are in that family. These disciples went out. They had, never, they had always thought Jesus is the one who sends out demons. He's the one who heals. And then they tested. I'm sure maybe since they were two, each one was looking at the other. I want to see what so and so will do. So Andrew told that a demon possessed, in the name of Jesus, leave. And it left. Oh, he got excited. Nathaniel also tried to a sick person, be healed, got healed. Eh? Bartholomew went somewhere. Or was it Matthew? Or, they, and then they be excitement, excitement, the power. They were realizing what they had all this time. They were walking with the Lord. They ran back. Everybody wanted to tell Jesus what the experience they had had. And Jesus was just laughing. You know, there are some fathers here who have never kicked a football in their life. Or even held the bat that for cricket. But if their son became Tendaluka, you, you call him? <laughs> you will see that, that father, he's just playing the way I used to play. Oh! 
If he played the way you play, he will never be there. <laughs> there is an excitement when we see our children do things that, we, I mean, they are taking control of things. Praise the Lord. When the disciples came and they were excited, Jesus was extremely excited. And he said, I saw the devil fall from heaven like lightning. Praise the Lord. He was excited because these people were taking control of what they had as sons. Praise the Lord. You have the power as a son of God. In that relationship, you are not empty. Number two, you have divine hotline. Divine hotline. Oh. Sometime back, we had a president in Kenya. He was a totalitarian. We love him. If you are in the far-flung district, and you are district commissioner, I think the Indians are conversant with these terms. District commissioner? Do you have them? Nigerians? No. They are states. Let me say, maybe a sub-county uh, or federal official in a sub-county somewhere. Now, there are two phones, red, black. The red one is from the top office. It is said most of the DCs, when that one rang, there's nobody in the office, but they would stand. Nobody's seeing them. Because it was the hotline, they knew it was trouble from the head office, the office of the president. So people would be, they were careful to know what was happening. Let me take you to the divine hotline. Praise the Lord. Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Praise the Lord. I know some of you have got homes where you have trees and sometimes you want to be served tea under that tree. Not in Oman. <laughs> because yet you'll be sweating. And when your wife maybe brings you tea under that tree and you are taking, reading the newspaper and you hear your child, Daddy! What happens? That cup is nothing to you. That newspaper is nothing. You want to go and see what the son, what's happening with my child. In most cases, you'll hear that so-and-so is taking my ball. <laughs> but at least you'll be there. And the mother who was trying to bring you sugar, the sugar is on the floor. Everybody's running to where? Daddy! Abba! When you cry, Abba, Father, Jesus, that name, the name above all names, the heavens come to a standstill because you have sounded out the hotline of God. He pays attention to that. Praise the Lord. Because he cannot let you as a son, he cannot let anything befall you. He's always conscious. My child is somewhere there. Praise the Lord. Relate to God as a son and you'll enjoy this. You remember when Peter was sinking? He walked a few steps. Then he started going down. Did he have time to start saying, Hallowed be thy name. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Did he have time to do that? Hey, what did he say? Jesus, save me. Instantly, the Lord held him by the hand. Praise the Lord. You need to benefit from this divine hotline. You don't need long prayers. But when you are a son and you sound out Jesus, he will intervene. Praise the Lord. Verse 7, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then a heir of God through Christ. So that means you inherit what God has. You inherit in Ephesians. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, the heavenly places. Praise the Lord. He has given us all these spiritual blessings. So you inherit as a heir of God's blessings. Number three, this relationship renders us blameless. When you relate to God as a son, you have been rendered blameless before God. Philippians 2.15, Philippians 2.15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of the crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as light in the world. Praise the Lord. That's why Jesus said, you are the light of this world. You shine. Can you tell your neighbor, I am shining. I'm a son of God. Now the sisters are shy to say that. In the kingdom of God, we don't have ladies and gentlemen. We just have sons. So if you belong to this, you just say, I'm a son of God. Hallelujah. So you are a light. You shine because you are a son. Number four, readily accept correction from God. Hebrews 12, verse 6 to 9. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, where Whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards, not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Now, the engineers here from Nigeria, from India, the doctors, some of you, let me tell you what you would have become. Are you paying attention? Can you say thank you God for my father? All of you, thank you God for my father. Yeah, because without that father giving you, he might have given you chastisement by just the look, by the shout, or some of us who had gone beyond by something like that. That's why you are an engineer now. That's why you are a doctor now. That's why you are what you are now. If they had just given up on you without correcting you, if you are a Nigerian, you would be using your Okada. <laughs> you would be driving Okada now. And if you are from India, tuk-tuk.
But because they disciplined you, they taught you what to be, you accepted that correction, you are what you are. And the Bible is saying, if we accepted that discipline from our Father, how much more should we accept the discipline from our God? Because He has better things for us. Praise the Lord. He has got better things for us. First John 3, 1, 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise the Lord. Allow God to correct you so that you will see him as he is. Humble yourself before his correction and you will be the way he is. The finally, we come to the father-friend relationship. Father-friend relationship. Genesis 18, verse 17. Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? Are you there with me? Shall I hide the thing that I do from Abraham? Why is God asking himself this question? Why is he bothering to ask himself this question? What is so important that he has about Abraham? It's because they have worked with Abraham for long enough for him to understand Abraham. Praise the Lord. Are you hearing me? He has been relating with Abraham closely. Closely, they have become friends. Now he finds it difficult to do something in secret without sharing with his friend. He is troubled. He's telling himself, Shall I do this? Shall I hide this of, from Abraham? What I'm about to do. It troubles God. Why? Because they have cultivated a relationship with Abraham of friendship. Will you desire to be with God as a friend? Because then he will not withhold any secret from you. He will be with you. Exodus 3, 11. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned, and he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Praise the Lord. Moses also had reached a point he was a friend to God. They were able to communicate. I want you to take time to read further down. You can see Moses trying to negotiate with God some things. Some of us are even scared to go and pray. Because we have no confidence to stand before God. Our relationship is so insecure. We don't know. We want to be away from God. But this is a man who can negotiate with God and say, Lord, you know, I'm not going if you're not going, coming with me. And the Lord says, ah, my presence will be with you. Praise the Lord. And then he, he goes further, he says, Lord, you are sending me. Who else are you sending me with? Show me your glory. And God says, I'll show you my glory. 
Yeah, I need their friends. Friends. The heart of God is open to Moses because they are friends. When will God open his heart to you? When is God going to open his heart to you? Sometimes I get so excited when I, a man of God comes and says, God has told me this. I know now God is still speaking to us. Praise the Lord. It was not just those days. He's speaking to us even today. Praise the Lord. John 15, verse 13, 14, 15. We finish up at that point. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus did that. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. The moment you become a friend of God, the freedom of secrets act is signed in heaven. Ah, you didn't get that. You know, governments have got acts that govern government secrets. You cannot just release. But the moment you become a friend of God, you, you are in this place of Abraham. He cannot hold anything from you. Because that's the nature of God. When he's your friend, he opens his heart. When you're a friend of God, you are like Moses. You speak to him. You discuss with him what you want him to do for you. That is the nature of God. As we finish up, remember honesty, remember trustworthiness, dependability, and reliability. Let them be the core of your relationship with God. Praise the Lord. Be humble. Be honest. Be trustworthy. Be dependable. Be reliable. And let God bless you so much. Praise the Lord. Just as, as I finish, I know pastor is coming to take over. I would like just to make uh, those who are coming, who, who have joined the church from January up to now, we had scheduled for our meeting on the 9th. It has been moved to 2nd next week. So please, if you do not meet me outside here, if you are a new member of this church and you don't get to hear from me again, please next Friday come here and be ready to join us after the church service. Shall we stand up, please? I want you to reflect over your relationship with God as the pastor comes to, to close. Let it be right. Let you reap the full benefits of your relationship with God. John 15, 15. Henceforth, Jesus said to his disciples, Henceforth, I call you not servant. He has been addressing them as servant before. I said, from now on, because of the level of relationship we have, I will not call you servant again. You are now my friend. The question to hold this afternoon is, are you a friend of God? 
The Bible says, and Enoch walked with God, and it was not, for God took him. What is your testimony before God? I want you to bow your heads and begin to express your love unto him. Are you a friend of God or an enemy of God? Are you in relationship with God? A constant loving relationship or your own is on and off? Only Friday you know God. The moment you are out of the church, you forget about him. Draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. That's what he said. How close are you to God? How close are you to God? Are you his friend, or you are still a stranger to God? There's somebody here, you are not born again. Your journey has not started at all. The first step for you to be in relationship with God is to be born again. To surrender your life to him and accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. If you are here, you are yet to be born again, could you please put your right hand up and I want to pray with you. You know you are not born again. If Christ should come today, you are not sure you are going with him. I want to pray with you so that today you put your name in that book of life. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father, thank you for your word this afternoon. Thank you for making us to know that we must be in a close father-son relationship with you. Lord, we pray for the grace. You aren't moving anywhere. You just called us to draw near unto you. And you will draw near unto us. And we pray for the grace to always be drawing closer by day unto you. Release that grace unto us in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever is in our life that the enemy is using to distract us from focusing on you. Say, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, we pray, all those distractions, take them away from us in the name of Jesus. And help us to follow you till the very end in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As we go this week, let your presence go with us in the name of Jesus. I declare this week is a week of testimony for you in the name of Jesus. Everything you lay your hands on this week, shall receive uncommon favor from the Lord in the name of Jesus. The Lord will lift you up beyond your expectations this week in the name of Jesus. And you shall be the joy of many generations in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The Lord thy God that you serve, in as much as you remain in relationship with him, I decree will arise and fight for you against all your enemies in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Every home passing through trouble, storm, I declare peace. Be still in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Please, before we share the grace, 
Every member of the church is invited tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. for the baptism here in this church. We're going to be doing the baptism here. It's meant for the old church to come and rejoice with those that have been baptized. And those that want to be baptized, please, you must be in Bethel. It is mandatory, 5 p.m. today. If you don't come, you're not going to be baptized. Let's share the grace together in fellowship. With the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Evangelism glory. and glory.